now for our feature presentation. If there's anything we've ever done that I'm particularly proud of, I, I would have to say that the uh, perpetuation of the greatness of the Raiders to take a professional football team and give it a distinct characteristic that's different from all others. The greatness of the Raiders. Some may scoff, but what other pro sports team is instantly identified with a song like this one? I had a dream that someday I would build the finest organization in professional sports. There's a commitment to excellence, the greatest players. The flame that would burn brightest here is the will to win. Just win. Play hard. Try not to make mistakes. But don't worry about mistakes because there's only one thing that counts. Just win. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Welcome to another edition of Q&A with your boy Q and myself, Joe Arrigo, Raider Nation. Sorry we were gone so long. We're going to give you an explanation right off the bat, but first, Q, brother, we honestly haven't talked in a while, I think since our last show, and that's when we've texted each other. But how are you doing, man? What's, what's, what's new? Man, I'm, I'm maintaining for real, man. Grinding, 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 working hard. Uh, it's been a minute since we've done the show, but it's like riding a bike. You know what I mean? You, you, never, uh, you never forget how to do it. You pick it up and keep on grinding. It's good to be back on with you, and uh, I guarantee we have a really good show. So, yeah, man, I'm pretty fired up. Man, let's go ahead and give the reasons why we haven't done a show. One, folks, I'm going to be very honest. Having a newborn baby that's five months old now, uh, I spent a lot of time in Fresno. And to go back and forth from Vegas to Fresno was just way too much. I was trying to spend as much time with him as, as I possibly could, him and his mother, uh, Jaleesa, because uh, once football season starts, I'm in Vegas full time. I don't leave. If I do leave, it's on when UNLV is on the road. If I don't travel, and even at that, I'm still grimy because I still have to cover the team. So I was trying to spend as much time as I possibly could with my newborn and his mother, my girlfriend, Jaleesa. And then Q, when we were going to do something, something I've never heard of, in the, and I've been in radio since 2002, I've never heard of somebody cutting wires at a station to make it go out there. What the hell happened to ESPN Central Texas? Man, I'll tell you, I'm still wondering that, and it happened to me, and I've never even seen that. I've heard of stuff like that before, but I always thought, like, yeah, right, that's never going to happen. But, dog, no joke, I was uh, actually at the radio station one night, and I was working on something in the production room, which is not the actual studio, but it's just another room where you, you could put some stuff down, you could record some stuff, and I heard some stuff on the on the roof, and I'm thinking, what in the world's going on on the roof? But whatever, I just figured it was some birds or something, so I didn't pay it no mind. Then it kept getting louder and louder and louder, and I'm thinking, all right, man, something's going on. Let me run outside real quick and check to make sure everything is all good. And when I do that, I walk outside the door. There is this dude, no joke, there's a guy with some bolt cutters, like looked like he was about to break you out of jail type bolt cutters in his hand. And he just kind of stared at me. And we literally were probably about maybe 10 feet away from each other at the most. He's staring at me, and I'm staring at him. And I still, at this point, have no idea exactly what was going on. I had no idea what was going on, no idea that he had gone and done something. I just knew that he had some bolt cutters in his hand. He looked like he might have had some bad intentions, but he was driving a BMW. There was a BMW parked next to the radio station. The, the hood was up. Like It looked like he was having engine problems. And then the trunk was up, too. So I'm thinking, what in the hell is going on? Anyway, this dude looks at me a little bit longer. I look at him, and I was like, what's up, man? What, what's going on? What can I help you with? And he walks to his car really fast. And then at that point, it clicked. Ding. Something's going on. Something's foul going on. So I'm like, man, this dude ain't going to drive past me. I'm going to get in the middle of the way, get in the middle of the driveway here, and make sure he stops. I'm going to figure out what's going on. I still don't know he cut a bunch of wires. And this dude gets in his BMW. It was a white BMW, by the way. Gets in his BMW, and he smashes. And all you hear is this engine so of course i made the business decision like cam newton did in the super bowl and i got out the way i wasn't trying to uh <laughs> i wasn't trying to take one for the team not that i'm not a team player but uh yeah telling a hero story from the hospital is not a good idea not for me so uh yeah i got out of the way and um yeah he sped off and, and drove down the street and, and cut off and then jumped on the highway and he was gone so yeah some dude crazily 
cut a bunch of our wires. This is what happened when he drove off. I, I looked and saw there was a ton of wires behind our radio station all cut. Just snip, 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 snip. And they're big, thick wires. They're not just little, small power cords. I mean, they're thick, fat wires. Wires that you would think would, you know, electrocute you if you, uh, if you even touched them. And he cut all of them. So he clearly knew what he was doing. Crazy, 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 crazy. So the police came and everything, and I didn't leave the radio station until almost midnight that night. We were off the air, but we were only off the air for like 10 hours, and somehow our owner and some engineers, and there's some country cats. So, uh, yeah, they, they called it, they called it uh, with the, I'm trying to say this to be politically correct, um, they, uh, they hooked it up like some rednecks would. Let's just put it like that. Somehow, they hooked up these wires where it looked like the old school Nintendo wires were holding it in. Like the little red and yellow plugs were holding these wires together. Wow. Yeah, and got us back on the air. It was absolutely ridiculous. So we were off the air for about 10 hours, but dog, it was crazy. And it was all, we have like five radio stations in the building. Every single one of them was cut. And uh, that's amazing because that happened, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago? It was, I mean, it's it was a while now, and just today, no joke, just today, the guy got arrested. He finally got arrested just today. So it's funny that we talk about it because apparently he, he had gone all the way down to Austin. He had done uh, some stuff like this with uh, not only radio stations but a bank and some other uh, communication. I mean, he's, he's going to go to jail for a long time. He's, he's really he's really up to some uh, shenanigans, and it's, it's not going to be good for him. But, man, oh, man, basically the case just got closed and just got solved today so uh yeah it was kind of a scary time because I, i've never never seen that or I never you know been a part of that but it happened it happened and i was a witness and yeah so <laughs> there you go that yeah, was be in court yeah exactly exactly i already had to go to the police station and try to identify the guy in a in a lineup or not a lineup but in a, a bunch of pictures and i swear i was looking at the pictures and i'm like dog i i mean he looks like that guy but he looks like that guy he don't look like that guy but he could be that guy i was i was so confused i said man i'm Definitely not a good witness. So, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't know what's uh, what's going to happen next. But so, <laughs> well, he, is it true that he almost that he hit you and almost ran you over? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it was close. I mean, like I said, I jumped out of the way, but he, I mean, he had bad intentions. Like we almost, I almost ended up on the front of his bumper. But of course, I I was having with my cat like reflexes. I got out of the way real quick. But yeah, dog. I mean, he was gunning for me once I was standing in the middle of the road, which was dumb on my part anyway. But at the same time, yeah, he definitely uh, tried to do that. And then the cop asked me, well, did he try to run you over because he wanted to run you over? Or did he try to run you over because you were in the way? And I was like, well, I don't know. What the hell's the difference? So uh, he, I said, yeah, yeah. Is there a difference? Like, I mean, right. why, you're in the way because you want to stop him because exactly. you're so. doing some shenanigans. Like, did they say why this guy, like, what his intentions were? Like, was he, did, did he just have beef with media companies and banks? Or was he in – I wonder – see – the radio had in me comes on now, the programming side. I wonder if this dude was an engineer that's disgruntled. I mean, he could be, but apparently he was uh, uh, some kind of Marine. Like, the guy had uh, Marine backgrounds or something. And, uh, yeah, it was just really, really, really strange. And he, uh, he he's a different cat, man, but he was doing things all over. And I'm hearing that he was even all the way in Florida and had done some stuff there. And then he uh, he made his way to Texas and – uh, I guess he 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 uh, beat the case in Florida on on some kind of technicalities or whatever, and uh, yeah, he's just been making his way through uh, Texas and started doing that as well. And uh, like I said, even in town, man, he hit a bank, he hit uh, a, a cable company, he hit uh, a golf course, he hit I mean all kind of things. At first, I thought it was just the radio station, but man, once they find out or they said how many different things he hit up, it was it was it was it was a shame, man. It was crazy how how he just basically just lost his mind and and. Clearly has has got some screw loose, but uh, yeah, he got caught today, so it's all good. Well, I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad you're back on the air. And just like the Raiders, we are back with Q&A Raider Nation every week right here on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network powered by SB Nation. Let's stop dicking around, get right to it. Hard knocks. We'll get into that in a minute, but let's talk about Antonio Brown. And that saga, look, I'm going to be honest, Q, the helmet thing has been going on for quite some time, okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's not one of those that just happened last week. No, this was going on for, I think, going back to OTAs, they're trying to come to some type of resolution right. and solution for the helmet. Um, at the same time, the feet thing, in terms of him getting frostbite on his feet, that was more alarming to me because... I know the hands are 
mostly considered the receiver's tools. You know, and they absolutely are. You can't paint if you don't have hands, if you're a painter. But for a receiver, it's almost just as important to have great feet. And for him to have frostbite on his feet when he was getting some cryotherapy, and I believe he was in France. Yep. And they put the wrong shoes on him. It wasn't that he put the wrong footwear on. It was them. Um, I really think that, you know, I'm glad he's back. He's a full go. The Raiders stood behind him with everything. I know uh, Coach Gruden was a little perturbed, to say the least, or at least he's agitated that he wasn't there because time is valuable. You build time together. There's equity. Uh, but at the same time, A.B.'s back. He, they had no intention of playing him in the preseason anyway. It's great to have him back. And I actually think the helmet gate it was just for hard knocks, just to create some controversy because the Raiders aren't allowing cameras in when they talk about personnel and they're cutting people. The Raiders aren't having those conversations on camera. So you got to have something to, to, to create controversy on a show, especially a docuseries. So why not talk about Antonio Bryan's helmet? I'm with that. I'm with that actually 100% because I didn't think that it was really that big a deal either. Uh, a lot of the big national talking heads and media guys were talking about retirement and he was threatening to retire. I thought that was all uh, extras. They were just putting extras on it. Look, Antonio Brown is going to be extras anyway. He's always going to be extra. We already know that. You knew that when the Raiders made the trade for him. Matter of fact, the helmet issue, they were talking about that when he was a member of the Steelers last year because they knew that time was running out. Like, that was already presented. So the Raiders knew that when they traded for him, but they also supported him on that. So, again, don't really think that that was that much. Do think it was overblown and, and, and blown up, uh, like you said, for, for hard knocks. Um, I do appreciate the fact that they're not getting inside the, the rooms when these guys are getting cut because, honestly, I don't need to see that. I, I have never watched Hard Knocks. I've told you that before. I've watched the first two episodes. I'm enjoying what I see, but at the same time, there's certain things that I honestly don't need to see. I don't need to see you sit down, Johnny Townsend, and tell him, hey, we're cutting you, or sit down this other guy and say, hey, by the way, you're cut. I don't, I don't need to see that part. I, I'm good, and so I'm glad that the Raiders aren't allowing that to, to be seen, and, and the stuff that they are allowing to be seen is good. And again, when it comes to Antonio Brown, man, he's he's going to be extra. You got to take the good with the bad. You know what you're going to get when you get Antonio Brown. You're going to get a hell of an athlete. You're going to get a hell of a wide receiver. You got to have a guy with a work ethic that's insane. You're going to have a guy that wants the ball all the time. And you're also going to have a guy that, well, has a very uh, over-the-top personality. And he does over-the-top things. And he's extra. And he's probably going to be late to meetings. And he's probably going to be checking his bank account during, you know, film session. He's probably going to be liking girls' pictures on Instagram. I mean, that's... Who Antonio Brown is, the guy he was in Pittsburgh, there was no reason for anyone to think he was going to be some other dude in Oakland just because, well, now I'm not in Pittsburgh anymore and I'm happier. No, he's going to still be the same guys. Tigers don't change their stripes. They just don't. They may mellow out a little bit, but they don't change. They ultimately don't change who they are, and he's not going to do that at all. He's not going to change. So all the to-do about Antonio Brown and, and his helmet and all this issue and how he's being such a distraction and all that other BS – I never really tripped off of it at all. The concern was always the feet just because, like you just mentioned, he's got to have his feet. His feet have, have to be right. His hands have to be right. He's got to be able to cut on a dime. I mean, he's a really good route runner, and he's really good at keeping plays alive or being able to scramble, make scramble plays for the quarterback. That's all has to do with him having very strong feet, very quick feet. And if he, if he can't cut, like he clearly can't because he has all these blisters on his feet, that's a problem. All I care about is that he's ready and healthy for week one of the season against Denver on Monday night. Two things you just said that stood out. The first thing is the breaking news founder. Hugh watched Hard Knocks for the first time, and he's watched the first two episodes. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to do it. Hell yeah, I'm glad you are. I hope you go back and watch some of the past ones now because they're really entertaining. Uh, the second thing is when it comes to the meetings and being a little bit late and all that, that needs to be cleaned up. To me, that is a big deal. As somebody, as a former player, Q, I know you played, and, and, and even covering a college team, I know players that were one minute, the meeting starts at 7, they come in at 7 on 1, they were benched for a game off that one minute. Right. Like, you know, when you're, if you're on time, you're late. If you're early, you're on time. Right. Like, that's the norm for these. So, and I know he's a great talent. And if I'm going to be critical of anything about Antonio Brown is be on time to meetings 
And more importantly, when you're in the meetings, be productive. Pay attention. You have to right. show these young guys how to do it. And if you're, if he is in there checking his bank account on Instagram, uh, and and just kind of blanked out, I think that needs to be addressed. And I think it probably already has because Gruden is a no nonsense guy. Um, so for me, I'm not really concerned with with the feet. I think the feet are going to be fine. He's already back to practicing. He's 100% go now. Um, so the, the feet should be good. I'm not concerned about the helmet. That I guess Drew Rosenhaus, uh, Drew Rosenhaus announced that they have a helmet. It's getting refurbished, and and, and it will be good to go for this season and beyond. So he'll be able to use his shut air helmet, um, which my son actually used. It's a really good helmet. He used it probably about six years ago, and it was a really good helmet. He had a concussion, not not with that helmet. And then he went to the, to the, to the speed and which is by far in the, in the speed flex, which is by, which are by far the best helmets you could possibly wear. But it's good to see that there's a solution. He was never going to retire. No, I, I, I don't think that was ever the case with Antonio Brown. There's too much money on the table for him to retire. Let's be honest. You're not going to pass up the amount of money he's making the next couple of years. Thirty million in guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, and next year being in Vegas, it's it's tax free. So I really don't think that he's going to pass up that money. So I never thought that was that was an issue. But I will say this: you heard Gruden. You're you've seen both sides of Gruden with Antonio Brown. You've seen the side where he was a little frustrated. He expressed that to. Uh, coaches and confidants on camera, but you also see him on camera to teammates and to the media support him 100%. And I think that's big. I think that, I think you can be frustrated with somebody and disappointed that they're not there when you want them to be, but still fully support them. It's like a parent. If your kids get a bad grade, if your kid has a bad grade, does that mean you don't love your kid? You don't support your kid? No, you help your kid. You correct your kid. You put your kid in that position to get better grades and, and you, and you just kind of coach them along and become a good mentor. I think you're seeing that with Gruden and Antonio Brown. And I absolutely love the way they're handling everything. Yeah. I think Gruden's done a really good job. I think he really has. I think he knows who he has in Antonio Brown and that he's a different cat. And again, he knew the challenges when he agreed to trade for him, when him and Mayock made the move to trade for him, they knew that there was going to be challenges that were going to be uh, probably frustrating and irritating and annoying. And I think this whole uh, issue has been going on the past few weeks. I think that's all kind of annoying and aggravating. Like you mentioned, not uh, to the point where he's pissed off, but he just, you know, he has a brand new car and he wants to get out there and ride it. He wants to get out there on the highway and let it rip, you know, just, just do it. And, and right now he can't. And I mean, he's getting closer and closer and closer and that's good. But I, I can sense the, you know, I get a little sense of, of frustration, but I also get that what you mentioned that uh, that public endorsing of the of the player and saying that they support him and and that's all saying the right thing, you know, that's all saying the right thing. And that, uh, please believe, Antonio Brown's hearing that loud and clear when he's sitting at home doing whatever he's doing or when he's in treatment for his feet. He's hearing all that. He's hearing all that support, and uh, and he's appreciating that. And uh, again, going back to what you said about you know being late to meetings, yeah, it's it's not acceptable. It's not good. But you just know that at points, that's who Antonio Brown's going to be. You know that he's going to do that, and it's not a good it's not a good way to to mentor the young cats. But again. That's just kind of who he is at times. He's going to do that. I mean, hell, his introductory press conference he was late to. You know, and I know they kind of made the excuse that, oh, he was upstairs signing his contract. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, he was upstairs signing his contract, but he was a little late as well. You know, I mean, he just – there's things that are quirky about him that he's going to be that guy. But for what they're going to get from him on the field – uh, that's gonna. I think that's gonna rub off on the players more than anything else. I think that they just realize that hey, this guy it, it needs to instill this work ethic that he has in the rest of these players, and everything else will work itself out in the wash. Again, I would like to see him early to every meeting. I'd like to see him early to to the plane flight to wherever they have to go because in Pittsburgh he was routinely late to flights. I mean, and that's not gonna go over well with John Gruden. I get it. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but it might. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those situations where, I mean, he is who he is. I think at the end of the day, you see them hard knocks. You know, we're, we're kind of getting a hard knocks right now. At the end of the day, when you see how they're running and operating, you see Antonio Brown, um, especially at the beginning of the second of the second uh, episode of the season. You know, he's you see him still working. He may not be at the facility, 
but he's still working. That's something right. that you don't see all the time. When guys hold out or guys aren't aren't there, a lot of them aren't working. They're hanging out. They're chilling. He's working. And he left because he had to go to New York and have that conversation with the NFL. It, it wasn't like he just, I'm leaving camp. I'm dipping out. I'm going to check y'all. I'm going to see y'all on the flip side. You know, it's no. I'm going to New York to take care of business, try to get a solution to this and answer to, you know, one way or another. You guys got my back? Okay, cool. I appreciate it. Now let's go ahead and do this. On the flip side of hard knocks, I know John Gruden talked about he's into effing nightmares. Okay, and then the next one he was like, we need execution. We need better effing execution. You know, just to hear him say it, you see now the side of Gruden that you want to see. Yep. I don't think Gruden's playing it up for the camera at all. I think what you're seeing, I think he's actually tempering it down for the camera compared to let maybe what he wants to see because he's absolutely right. In the beginning of the second episode, and if you haven't seen it, folks, you can fast forward a little bit of the, of, of the podcast. But the beginning of the second episode, he talks about execution and how the Rams are coming in. And not just how the Rams are coming in, but because the Rams two years ago were a bad team. And then last year, they're in the Super Bowl. And he said, because they believed in it, they bought into the system, and they worked, and they, and they just outworked everybody. And he's tired of the Raiders being the laughing stock of the NFL. Quite frankly, he, he flat out says it. There's no disputing it. There's nothing else. He flat out said, I'm tired of us being the guys that everybody, uh, everybody makes fun of. We're not doing it anymore. Right. And uh, I think it's I think it's great that he's actually doing it. So for me, the way that he's going about hard knocks, the way he's coaching up the guys, and from what you see, uh, I'm 100% on board it, and I've bought into what John is selling as a fan of football. And if I'm a part of Raider Nation, which I think I'm an honorary member now, I don't know. I mean, depending <laughs> on what part of Raider Nation, if you're from Oakland and you want them to say you probably hate me, but if you're, if you're not, you're probably cool with me. Overall, though, if I'm Raider Nation, I love what John Gruden is selling. You have to. You absolutely have to because in 2018, you didn't see any Chucky. You really didn't. You saw John Gruden on the sideline. He looked very passive. He looked very uh, upset, but not not the angry John Gruden, not the angry Chucky that most Raider fans from back in the day remember seeing when he was first coming up with the Raiders, the guy who would light up Rich Gannon, the guy who would, you know, what the hell are you doing? The guy to go up to Tim Brown and say, what kind of route was that? Or, or Jerry Rice and give him the business. A guy who didn't care. A guy who would, let you know, uh, cuss up and down the sideline. That's the exact guy you expected to see or that's the guy I expected to see in 2018, and we as fans didn't see that. What we saw was a guy that was evaluating his team, a guy who was figuring out what players he had, a guy who was figuring out what players fit and who was going to be on the squad moving forward, who he could work with and who he couldn't work with. And the results of that is, what, 21 new players from the team a year ago? I mean, 21 new players, that's a lot of turnover for a team. They have majorly turned that, that roster over. Now he's comfortable. Now he's ready to go to war with these guys that he has in the building right now. So that's a good thing. Now you hear that he's getting frustrated by reading the different things he's reading, hearing the different things from the talking heads that he's hearing about his team and how they don't expect him to do anything and they're going to suck again this season. He doesn't want that. He wants to do just like the Rams. When the Rams suck, when they had Jeff Fisher, boom. All of a sudden, Fisher's gone. Sean McVay comes in. Things get turned around quick, fast, in a hurry, and they go to the Super Bowl. You know I mean? They end up in the Super Bowl. That's what kind of results he wants. He wants them to realize that this team could go out and do amazing things if they buy in, follow what they're supposed to do, and go and give 100% effort. And that's one of the things he said in the first episode of Hard Knocks, the very first one. He said, we're going to lead the league in effort. And that's not, that's not about talent. That's about a decision. You can make a decision to be the most talented dude or the, the hardest working dude, or you could be the laziest dude. He wants the hard workers. That's what kind of roster he's building right now. I agree. And so far, there's been a few things that stood out about hard knocks to me, but like player-wise, with you players. Um, who do you think has been the biggest star of hard knocks thus far? Jonathan Abram, Derek Carr, John Gruden, or Mad Max, Max Crosby? Well, I think it, I mean, really, 
You, I mean, you hit on the guys that really are, are, are the leader in the clubhouse right now. Jonathan Abram was the guy in, in episode number one. It was all about Jonathan Abram. Then in, in episode number two on Tuesday night, it was all about the return of Chucky, in my opinion, and and uh, Mad Max, and then even Keelan Doss. I, I think it was you know kind of a split of those guys. So uh, right now, if I had to find one leader in the clubhouse, I would just say that it has to be it has to be Chucky right now. I think, but that's only if I'm picking one guy. If I'm picking a couple guys, then Jonathan Abrams got to get a lot of love because of what what he had in, in episode number one, and then also Max Crosby. He he became a fan favorite real quick after episode number two. So uh, it, it's really close, man. It's like a three three headed uh, race right there, the three man race, and, and they're all like neck and neck. I think Abram has been the biggest star, and I'm gonna tell you why. With, with Gruden, we know what you get with John Gruden. You get Chucky, you get, you know, you've seen it before, you've heard the stories. With Abram, he always had that personality. You've seen it on draft day. You've heard the phone conversation he had with Gruden and he said, I'm going to come light your ass up. Um, you've seen it at the press conference, the way he's just so ebullient. You see it now on film, and I, he definitely stole the show episode one, when, especially when. Gruden was telling him not to hit guys. And he's like, I can't touch him. I can't tap him. And he's like, Gruden's like, you're too close. Back up, man. I'm going to cut you. You're not going to cut me. You can't cut me. Like, how many guys have the balls to say that to John Gruden? Mean it and say it with a smile. I think that's why Gruden loves, loves him so much. I think he has that, that personality that was like, you know what? Like Gruden said, I'm a dick. And I think John, Jonathan Abram is a dick in a, the best sort of way. Because I think he's at a point where he knows what his job is and he doesn't care. He's not going to let anybody stop him. And I think even in this episode, episode two, you've seen him messing with, with Carr, making him fumble. And Carr said, I'm gonna, oh, man, I like messing with 24. I like messing with, with, with Abram. Mm-hmm. I, you see his personality there. Um, I'm slightly disappointed that we haven't seen a lot of uh, Cleveland Farrell. I mean, we've seen a little bit in episode two, but I, I wanted to see more of his personality a little bit thus far. Um, but at the same time, like, Doss is somebody, if we're, if we're talking about guys that we think, you know, and we can talk about breakout guys a little bit later. This episode with Doss, I like what he said. He's asking the right questions. Players are recognizing, man, his releases are cold. And he's cool off the line. Look at him. You know, across the board, I think you start, you're starting to see the talent around the Raiders, and certain guys are stepping up, and you've seen other guys kind of fall back. And I like to see the young guys stepping up, and we're seeing it on film. But I think Abram has been that guy in hard knocks, hard knocks this far. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely agree with you. And, and Jonathan Abram, you know, a lot of Raider fans had mixed feelings on him after episode number one. They thought he was too cocky, thought he talked too much, thought he, you know, just was – he hadn't done anything. You know, he hadn't earned the right to to talk the way he was talking and, and act the way he was acting. And my defense of that is when's the last time the Raiders had a guy like that? The Raiders need a guy like that. They need a guy that has a little bit of edge to him, and that's who he is. And so I, I welcome it with um, open arms. It's funny, going back to what you were saying, though, about uh, their conversation, his conversation he had with John Gruden, he was talking about you can't cut me. I thought initially that's what he said as well until I went back and, and watched it again, and he actually said about cut blocking. He was talking about you can't cut block me. And so, you know, you know, they were talking about that when uh, he was going up and hitting his guys. I thought he said you can't cut me either, and I was like, damn, dog, that's that's really bold. Like he, you're – you're a bold man to say that, but he was actually talking about getting cut blocked by the by the uh, offensive linemen and and uh, you know other guys tight ends and stuff like that. That there is no cut blocking. So uh, that that was that was the only thing that that I thought was a little over the top is when I thought he said that you couldn't cut me, but then when I realized that that's not what he said, I was like, okay, never mind. It, it's all good. So uh, yeah, he, he's a he's a good dude. I'm excited about what he could bring to the table. I think he he represents that number 24 really well. Uh, obviously, that was uh, last rocked by well Marshawn Lynch, but it was rocked before it by Charles Woodson, the great Charles Woodson. So I think he's gonna he's gonna serve that number really well, man. And if we're talking about a guy who really stands out and kind of takes that leadership role, even if it hasn't been given to him, he's just gonna go out there and take it. It's got to be Jonathan Abram. He's he's an absolute stud. One of the the my favorite parts of episode two was Woodson talking to Abram, and Woodson said something to Abram that I think more players need to hear the ones that are successful and become great like Charles Woodson 
um, they adhere to it and they and they practice it. And I think Abram's that same type of guy when he said, if someone's telling you to not be you and do something different, don't listen to them. You got to be you, period. And you have to do things the way you do things. If they're not on board, if they're going to get on board or they're going to be gone. Essentially telling them, you play your game. Right. You obviously listen to your coaches, play the system. But don't change who you are, what got you here. Because if you do, you're going you're to be flat on your ass and out on the street. And you're not going to be an NFL ball player anymore. You're exactly. going to be exactly. a has-been and never would be. And Abram's the one, Abram is one of the few guys rookie-wise. I mean, I think, actually, I think Farrell's the same way. I firmly believe that he's going to take that advice to heart and he's going to run with it. And you're going to look at a guy within three years to have multiple Pro Bowls within his first three years. I, I think Abram is that talented. I love him coming out of the draft. I think down near in every mock I had him going to the Raiders at some point. I thought he was that. I mean, we talked about him at nauseum, him being a hitter, a game changer. I think what you see in hard knocks, Raider Nation needs to endure him. And if you think he's too cocky, you probably never laced up the, in, in football. You probably never strapped up and put on the helmet. You cannot be a passive person and, not, and, and be so humble that and be successful at football. You have to have a swagger about you. Peyton Manning may have been, uh, oh, golly, gee, huh, I'm just trying to make my teammates better. Peyton Manning was, first of all, a savant, but secondly, he was one of the most arrogant quarterbacks. There is Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. Right. You go down, Charles Woods, you go down the list of all the greats. Name one Raider great that was, uh, oh, shucks, <laughs> Um, I'm just happy to be here. Hopefully I get to play. Not a one. Not one Raider great ever had that mentality. So if you're saying that, you need to check yourself. you got to have more guys like Jonathan Abram with that type of personality in your locker room leading your team because the days of going 2-14, and 3-13, and 13 and 4-12 and 12 are over with guys like Abram. If you don't want guys like Abram, then you're going to have those years and you're going to bitch and complain about, oh, the NFL hates us. The NFL was added out to us. No, that's not the case anymore. Sorry. It's because you got a bunch of choir boys, guys that just are all oh, shucks. I'm happy to be here. Not enough guys that let their nuts hang and go out there and bang. No, that's real. That's absolutely real. Again, that was something that, I, that I, uh, I went to battle for. I said, man, Jonathan Abram is the guy that the Raiders need. They need that guy who's going to be that vocal dude. They need that car thief. You mentioned choir boys. They need a car thief. He's absolutely a car thief. I even took it as far as say, you know what? This could have been a guy that played in the Legion of Boom when the Legion of Boom was really first formed. You know what I mean? Yeah. He could have he been one of those dudes because that's what made them so good. They all knew that they were the... The, the baddest dudes in the land, and they were all out there on the field together, and they were going to make you pay. If you caught the ball, and if you had the ball hang up in the air too long, Earl Thomas was going to take it the other way, or Richard Sherman was going to take it the other way. They had that swagger about them where they knew you were not going to beat them on a Sunday, and it wasn't about you. It was about them. It didn't matter who was on the field against them. They were going to win that game, and that's the kind of attitude. That's the kind of mentality that the Raiders need more guys like that just so they can adopt that kind of that kind of identity. And so Jonathan Abram is a is a perfect example of who that could be on especially on that back end being a safety oh man he he, he has an opportunity to come up and be a big hitter he, he has an opportunity to, to play center field and and make some plays and i mean telling you man this guy is a tone setter and that's exactly what the raiders need well the raiders needed a new stadium for a number of years they got it and we're going to talk about the new stadium the new name the topping off ceremony as well as we'll talk about the preseason game after we take this quick break on Q&A with your boy Q and Joe Arrigo on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast and we're powered by SB Nation. Welcome back to Q&A with your boy Q and myself, Joe Arrigo, on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast and we're powered by SB Nation. All right, Q, so uh, two Mondays ago, and I, I'm going to tell you the story. Two Mondays ago, I was in, I went to the, the topping off ceremony as a, as a media member at the Las Vegas Stadium, the home for the Raiders and UNLV football, uh, starting in 2020. And I went there with TQ, who is, uh, obviously we, we play music every year, every show as the outro. Um, he and I went, we, we have a, 
uh, announcement in the in the upcoming weeks that we'll let everybody in on uh, media wise. And so Squeeze and I are there, and we're looking at the stadium where we're just like, this thing is getting put together really quick. It's about 60 plus percent done. It's going to be done by July 29th, 2020, so less than a year from now. And Mark Bedane gets on stage after uh, one of my mentors and who's hosting it, JT The Brick. Uh, every, everybody in Raider Nation knows, knows The Brick. JT announces Mark Bedane. Mark Bedane, team president, goes up there. And Mark announces that the new stadium will be called Allegiant Stadium. Officially, twenty. I think it's twenty-five years at twenty-five million dollars per. I believe that's what it is, or twenty. It was, yeah. like, it was over five hundred million dollars. Something right around um, there. Yeah. I talked to uh, a gentleman here in Vegas, Tony Cardasco. Uh, Tony, uh, Tony Cardasco. We call him Tony Dasco. Uh, great follow on Twitter for anything Vegas sports related. Tony uh, and I were, were at UNLV practice yesterday, and we we're talking, and I. We talked about the return on investment, the ROI. For Allegiant Airlines, every year that they're invested as the, the, the namesake for the stadium, Allegiant's making $100 million. That's what it comes out to. And talking to marketing people that were involved, that had other people that were talking, the return of investment is $100 million for Allegiant, Air, Allegiant Stadium. Now, I fly Allegiant when I go to Fresno. I know it gets a bad rap. I know some people, it's not spirit, okay? So you don't have people twerking and smacking their husband and throwing laptops at them and, and basically making it soul plane, okay? That, that's pretty much what spirit airlines is. Allegiant, I fly Allegiant to Fresno and back $40. It comes like $58, so $116 round trip. It's a less than an hour flight. Easy. They're based out of Las Vegas. They're a Las Vegas company uh, located in Summerlin. They are expanding their fleet, so to speak. Um, I do not mind Allegiant being the airline or the namesake of the stadium. You know, at, at the end of the day, it makes a lot of sense. But my question to you is this. And it was hot as hell, even at 8 o'clock in the morning, at the topping off ceremony. I mean, we had a long night before that, TQ and I. So to get there, it already we already were feeling it, and it was hot. So, but my question is this. Are you going to call it Allegiant Stadium, the Big Al, or Al Stadium, or the Death Star, which a lot of Raider, which Raider Nation has kind of coined the stadium at this moment? That's a good question because I'm not a big fan of the name Allegiant Stadium. I, I, I have no problem with it being named Allegiant Stadium. I have no problem with that being the airline that's associated with it. I don't for everything that you just said. I'm cool with that. I just don't like the name because as a selfish radio guy, it doesn't flow. To me, it just doesn't flow. You know, it's Allegiant Stadium. I, would, I wouldn't even mind if it was Allegiant Stadium of Las Vegas. I think that would flow better. But again, that's me being a selfish radio guy and I'm thinking about myself. So uh, I, I think that... What a lot of people have said to me is that somehow they just need to incorporate just Al, you know? And so it's like the big Al is, is okay, which you said, uh, Al Stadium, uh, Al, Al's, Al's House. I mean, any, anything like that, you know, like in, in Arlington, everyone calls AT&T Stadium Jerry's World. You know, so as long as Al is incorporated in it, that's all that I, I think is really going to matter. I think Raider Nation is going to adopt somehow Al something. Uh, you know, some people are just going to always call it Las Vegas Stadium, just like I always call the Oakland Coliseum the Oakland Coliseum. I don't care if it was O.co. I don't, I don't even know what it is called now, but there's been so many different names. I've always called it the Coliseum. That's what it is. I don't know what the name I'll, I'll always just call the stadium there in Vegas. Uh, Allegiant Stadium is what it is right now. But somehow it'll just be, for, for me, it'll probably be something like Al's House or Al Stadium or I don't know. Al's, it'll be Al something for me. But again, I think everyone's just going to have to uh, decide what they want to call it. But uh, Allegiant, you know, that was big for them to be able to get that. It was big for the Raiders to be able to get that. I know that they have other other uh, corporate sponsors coming up and it should be announced pretty soon, so that's pretty exciting as well. So they're doing everything the right way. Uh, I just don't like the way that the name Allegiant Stadium sounds. It just doesn't flow, in my opinion. Al's Palace. There you go. That's cool. 
You know, I, I, like, I like Al's powers. I like the Death Star, too. I, I really I like that one. I think it kind of, you know, fits with, with the theme, especially with all the, the black the black steel going up. Um, and and, I, and before I, I crack a joke, I want to talk about something seriously. Um, for Mark Davis to be there less than 48 hours after the passing of his best friend, Cliff Branch, Raider legend, a guy who I had the opportunity a couple times to meet and talk to and interview uh, out here on ESPN Las Vegas. I, I thought that was big for Mark, um, for MD, because I know how much Cliff meant to Mark. And um, when I heard the news that he passed, um, first of all, I was shocked because we had just seen him a short time earlier in Las Vegas. Um, and he looked like he was in great health. And then I thought about Mark. And I actually heard the story later on that at one point, Mark was his agent and negotiated Cliff's deals with his father. Yeah, yeah, he did. You, you know, and um, my thoughts and prayers go out to, to Cliff Branch's wife and family and friends, teammates, the Raider organization, because he's a guy that needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Yep. When he retired, he was top 10 in receiving yards. And I think it's a travesty that there are some guys in the league in the, in the, that were in the league after him that's in the Hall of Fame. And he's not. And to get in there posthumously, um, I know I misspoke that word, but I don't care at this point. Right. Um, that is, to me, that that's just a, it's an injustice to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, he's he needs to be in there. So, for all you Pro Football writers, and I'm talking to you now, John McClain, <laughs> play this clip for him. John McClain. First of all, I think Sterling Sharp should be in there, but more importantly, right now, let me know why Cliff Branch is yet to be in the Hall of Fame. Because this guy was almost unguardable as a wide receiver. And for him not to be in there, that's just wrong. I, I think he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame more than a Terrell Owens, more than a Chris Carter. And I can go on and on with some other guys. That's what he should be. He should be in there more than Lynn Swan and John Stallworth. How's that? Yeah, those are valid. Those are, those are definitely valid. They, uh, they, they should have put Cliff Branch in already. Uh, that's something that uh, I have on my list of things to talk to John McClain about. And this is what I do believe is going to happen, and it's going to suck, but it's going to be nice. It'll be bittersweet. It's going to suck. But next year when they put in the 20 people for the centennial celebration, I'm sure he'll be in there when they try to clean up the logjam of guys that they haven't got in there. I think that him and Flores both go in next year. But unfortunately, uh, and, and I, I, I cross my fingers here, only Flores will be here to, ce- to celebrate. And I hope that that is the case. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Cliff Branch won't be to be there to celebrate and smell the roses. He won't be able to smell the roses until he's already gone. And that that sucks. But I think that's what's going to end up happening is next year he does get in him and Tom Flores. Um, I, I hope you're right, because Coach Flores used to be in there as well. The first Latino head coach to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that, that needs to happen. Oh, real quick. Uh, the name of the stadium is actually has been changed to need uh, in. Room for rent, please call Libby Schaff at that that's the name of the, the stadium now. That because was that was a such a late joke. That was such a late joke. That was such a late joke. Man. <laughs> I know the people in Oakland are gonna hate me. Yeah. And the cold part is the cold part is I'm going to the final home game at Oakland Coliseum. <laughs> I'm gonna go to the last game. And, and I'm going to cover that game. And I hope I don't, I hope I don't have any issues. <laughs> nah, you'll, you'll be fine. You ain't got nothing. You'll, you're good. Don't worry. I'll, I'll be there. You're good. Don't, it's all good. No worries. Oh man. You, me, TQ. Oh, good Lord. This is going to be a, it's going to be an eventful night. Well, let's put it you like know, this. Not- we, we have a tailgate party planned already that already has like uh, 140 people guaranteed to be there. So it's, it's, it's huge. We are going to have a celebration. So, yeah, when you talk about a, a, a late night and, and late nights, multiple nights, I get in to Oakland on Friday and I'm not leaving till Monday. So, yeah, I, I don't think I'll be getting much sleep that, uh, that, that weekend.
Well, make it 142. So, well, there RCP. it is. Done deal. Done deal. <laughs> Let's talk about the uh, the preseason game. Um, now they played the Rams, and you know, I, for preseason, I'm going to be very honest with with you fans. I don't give a shit about it. I don't care because it's bad football for the most part. But at least it's football. What I look for is our rookies flying around, and who does not get hurt. I hate injuries in the preseason. Yep. And what I noticed about the Raiders game was this. Abram, Max, I thought Farrell flashed a little bit, Hurst, Arden Key, Doss, those are guys, even Washington, those are guys that really looked good to me. I really was impressed with them. The person I was impressed with the most out of everybody, and you could say I'm a homer, you could say it's because I know him, but my guys, K-9, Keyshawn Nixon, look like a guy that's on a mission to not only play in the NFL, but take jobs and have a major role for the Raiders. He did look good. He, he really did. And it's funny, I thought about you when I saw him break up a couple pass plays. I thought, oh, man, somewhere Joe's smiling. Somewhere Joe's happy because his guy made a play. And uh, he did. He's a guy that I actually left off my 53-man roster. I didn't think he was going to make it. But so far in training camp, he's been having a really good camp from everything I've heard. And uh, he, he looked good in preseason game number one. All he's got to do is continue to build on that, and he'll do exactly what you just said. He's going to take someone's job and have a major impact with this Raiders team. And he knows it. He absolutely knows it. John Gruden put it out there. Hey, you need to take someone's job. Everyone needs to be on a mission to take someone's job. And he, you know, unlike some people, actually took that advice and is running with it. And so, yeah, hey, man, uh, hats off to him because he does look like he could be a player. He looks like he could be a hell of a player, matter of fact. He chose the wrong college. Now, what he did when he went to South Carolina is the DB coach there teaches multiple uh, defenses and coverages, and he learned a lot there. But he shouldn't have gone to South Carolina. He should have gone to Tennessee or um, he should have, you know, really gone to USC who really wanted him, but he wanted to leave the West Coast. Uh, if he would have gone there, he, he would have been drafted. He should have been drafted. The Raiders got, the Raiders got a couple guys. Ingles, I mean, that's a guy that, that, that I think has a legit shot. Uh, shot. I, know, I know Smith is back now. Um, Doss, who has been very impressive in camp, and – He's a guy that we talked about, you know, right after the draft. He's a guy that, that really should have been drafted. He's a guy that makes a lot of plays. And obviously, Keyshawn. So, there are some guys that I really think have a legitimate chance to make this team and make an impact. But I, but I was impressed. The Raiders did a really good job. You know, even Glennon, aside from those, those, those interceptions, I was trying to find the right word to say were just – stupid like what the hell are you doing if i was a coach my clipboard or my headset you have to give me a new one so i probably would have thrown it to the ground and broke it um but aside from those picks they moved the ball very well and nathan peter man okay peter man had that nice run that really put him in a position on the dos touchdown to put the game away i thought the raiders looked pretty damn good and pretty athletic can all things considered you know Carr didn't play, Goff didn't play, you know, certain guys didn't play, but they look pretty damn good and pretty athletic compared to what they were last year. Yeah, they look better. They, I mean, I, I didn't go away from that game upset. I, I felt like some guys did what they were supposed to do. Some guys uh, made you think about their roster spot. Some guys, uh, you know, solidified the spot, the, the fact that they're, they could be NFL players if they continue to build off of that. Uh, you mentioned a few of those guys. DeAndre Washington showed that he was healthy and that he could run when he's healthy. And the only knock on him since he's been in the league is he's never healthy. So who knows if he can st- keep up with that and what he'll do uh, against the Cardinals. Maybe he'll he'll expand on that or maybe he'll just kind of fall back into that trap that, that has always been what he's been. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I came away from that game feeling pretty encouraged, especially with the, the rookies on defense and the guys on defense. I felt like they were flying around. They were going a lot faster than, than you saw them moving in 2018. A lot of the guys were holding each other accountable. Mad Max Crosby got pissed off when he got uh, banged up and left and went and got a cast and came back into the game. That's the kind of guy that John Gruden's going to really uh, grow fond of, a guy that, that wants to be in a game, a preseason game number one. Now, I know he's a fourth-round draft pick, but a fourth-round draft pick still has to feel pretty good. Like, you know what? I could probably leave this this uh, this game, and I'll be all right. My, my spot will be all right. But instead, he went out there. He was angry, went and got his uh, – you know, got his cast and went back into the game. I like that, man. It just shows that they're they're determined to get better. Uh, Brenston Buckner, he's a hell of a defensive line coach. I think that he's going to help these guys get better. And, and you just kind of see that 
that they're 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 seeing what they're doing. They're understanding what they're doing. They're not thinking as much. They're still thinking a little bit. They're still you know a step behind at, at times. But the more they do this, the more repetition they do, I think the better they'll be. So I came away from that preseason game number one. I felt encouraged. I wasn't happy. I wasn't mad, but I felt encouraged. I just look for guys to not get hurt. Like honestly, I think if you have a franchise quarterback, I don't care if the new if it's a new system or not. Sit his ass down, don't let him play. If you have a franchise quarterback and he knows the system, sit his ass down. Don't let him play. If you have a rookie quarterback that needs to get reps, that's who you let play. That's kind of my take on, on preseason. I hate the injuries that happen. And, I, and I, I want to mention this before I forget. Another guy who I really liked in episode one of Hard Knocks is Richie Incognito. And even in this one, episode two. I, I, you see his mentality and he's cracking jokes. And he adds something different to the team. I may, there may be certain aspects of his life that I don't like, instances that I don't agree with, I don't like. But so far, um, he's shown nothing but being a good teammate and being able to crack jokes. The one thing about training camp and preseason I don't like, and I, again, I'll repeat, is the injuries. Gabe Jackson, MCL, um, out till at least the bye week. Thank God it's not an ACL because they can't afford to lose anybody up front. And to lose Big Gabe, that really, that really was a blow to me. And especially with Incognito being out for two games, the pressure is going to be on that offensive line now to keep Carr upright and open lanes for Jacobs because they were counting on Gabe Jackson this year. They are counting on that line. The Raiders' line needs to step up now. And I'm not something that I'm really keeping a close eye on. Who's going to win that left guard position now that Jackson is down? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be major. And from all indications, from everything I'm hearing, it looks like that they're trying to find somebody. They might be trying to find someone that's outside the building. You know, they might have to make a trade looking at the waiver wire. I mean, they're they're scouring it because they, they don't really have a solution there yet. Brandon Parker is terrible. That's one takeaway I took from game two or game number one that was awful. Brandon Parker stinks. He's absolutely awful. And I know he's still developing. I know a lot of people say got to give him time to develop. That's fine. But there's certain guys you could look at and they either are or they ain't. And he looks like he ain't. He just doesn't. I mean, he was just, he was whiffing. He was trying to uh, hit guys with a jab at the line and it just, he was missing. It was just, it was not good. I didn't, I didn't like what I saw from Brandon Parker. So I don't think he's any more than a, a depth guy at this point. Uh, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but most likely, in my opinion, they're probably going to have to go outside the organi- organization, maybe even make a trade and bring somebody in that they know could be a real deal guy because that line has to be solid. If that line's not solid, then everything that they brought in around, you know, all the weapons, all the Antonio Browns, the Tyrell Williams, the Hunter Renfros, all these, Josh Jacobs, all these guys aren't going to matter if Derek Carr ain't got time to get the ball out of his hand. Yeah, sadly, it looks like I was wrong about Brandon Parker. I thought he'd be all right. Uh, I'm sorry, Raider Nation. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he stinks. I'm not, I'm not... Go ahead. Oh, I just said he looks like he stinks. That's all. <laughs> I, I'm not ready to pull out the 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 death music yet for him. But what we'll do is, if there's a big name that gets cut, we'll read an obituary for that player on the show during cuts, and we'll play the the death march behind it. Um, we'll write some obituaries, Q, and, and read them, uh, you know, because their careers are pretty much either over or the Raider, their time with the Raiders are done. Um, I agree, though. Like, and that's the thing with offensive linemen. There's guys I've seen on other teams where you watch them play and you're just like, dude, you blow. Like, like you suck. There's no other way around it. Like, you're just horrible. Uh, if I'm the Raiders, there's two guys out there right now that they quote unquote just retired right before or in the off season, uh, Josh Sinton and TJ Lang, both of them were pro bowlers. Uh, both are coming off injuries the last couple years, but when they're healthy, they're damn good. And actually we're a damn good tandem for a number of years inside that guard, but Sinton played that right guard and, and Lang played that left guard. Those are two guys, if you could talk to them, maybe talk them out of it for a season, they may be good stopgaps until Jackson comes back. 
It could be. It could be. I, my first thought, my initial thought, matter of fact, my best thought when this whole situation uh, shook out and Gabe went down and they started talking about possibly going out and making a trade and bringing someone in from outside the organization, I thought they needed to get on the phone and, uh, and call up Dallas. I really do. I think they need to go ahead and, uh, and, and see what it would take to get Lyle yeah. Collins out of there because I think that, especially since he's going into the last year of his contract, I think that would be a good decision. He, he could play guard. He's played tackle. He's versatile. Uh, he's a guy that should have been a first-round draft pick, but because he had all those issues going on with his girlfriend and she had died or his ex-girlfriend and she had died, uh, he ended up going undrafted, and the, the Cowboys really got a steal. I don't think he's going to be around in Dallas after this year, so might as well go ahead and make it happen. They play nice to each other all the time. They trade with each other all the time. So why not open up that pipeline one more time and say, hey, what's it going to take to go on and get Lyle Collins? That would be my first call if I was Mike Mayock and John Gruden. What would you give up for him? That's a good question. That's a really good question because you're looking at the draft picks that they have already. They don't have a second-round pick in uh, 2020 because that's going to Chicago for Khalil Mack. You're not going to give up one of your first-round draft picks because the guy only has – he's on his last year of his contract. So then you're looking at a third-round pick and maybe a player. I mean, that's that's the thing. That, that's why you have to gauge what what they would uh, what they would want for him. What, what would it cost to get him out of town and get him to, to Alameda, get him to Napa and, and into training camp? That's that's a damn good question. I don't really know what assets the Raiders are willing to give up, but they just I, I would gauge the interest at the very least. A fourth rounder in Washington, bring Washington back home to Texas. Yeah, I mean you could do that, but I don't think that the Cowboys would be interested in Washington as a as a running back. I mean they have you know they got Darius Jackson, they got uh, Tony Pollard, they got uh, some other cat, and then they got Zeke whenever he gets back. So I, I don't think that running back is where they'd go. They might look at safety though. They might look at Cujo. Uh, that's that's one guy Wait, who's been who's dangled. He's been said, dangled before. You said some other cat. Alfred Morris was a thousand yard rusher for the Redskins for like four straight years. Yeah, it was. He's but, not nobody. He's not a slouch, and he went somewhere where he was he was supposed to start end up being the backup. I he, mean, Alfred Morris can play some football. He can play, but so, he's he's not he's not. He, I don't even think he makes the roster when Zeke comes back. I, I really don't. I don't think you keep both of those guys on the wow. roster. I don't. I honestly don't. His one year in Dallas wasn't very good. It wasn't very good. And then he, where was he last year? San Francisco? Nobody even heard of him in San Francisco. No. He was terrible in San Francisco. Was it San Francisco? Yeah. I, I thought he was. I thought. I thought he was somewhere else where there was a. I thought it was an East Coast team. I think he was uh, in San Francisco last year. Wow. Google uh, it. Google it. Google it. Look at. I'm googling where Alfred Morris played, and he's not even a damn Raider. What the hell. <laughs> Hey, man, that's how it happens. But, again, I mean, the Cowboys got Zeke Elliott. He'll get there eventually, whether he gets a contract or he doesn't. He'll get there eventually. So, I don't know. He might miss a couple games, but he'll he'll be there eventually. You're right. He was with the 49ers in 2018. Aha, bingo. Washington, Dallas, and then 49ers, yep. Yeah, buddy. See, I, yeah, I mean, you know your boy knows. You know I got this thing covered. Yeah, I, I think for me, after Washington, I thought – I know he went to another AFC East team. I thought he was still there, and it was Dallas. I totally space and then going to San Francisco. So, yep. Yeah, I, but I would agree that Lyle Collins would be an excellent fit for the Raiders. I just don't know if they're going to want to spend that money. Right. Honestly. I agree. I mean, I, no, I agree. Not at least right now. Right. I mean, it's, and free agency is one thing, but you got draft capital, and they're not going to give up one of the two first round picks. They're right. not. They're not going to give up a third round pick for a guy that's going to be a free agent next year unless they know they can lock him in and get him locked into a deal. So if they do, let's say the Raiders and Cowboys do call each other, they do agree to a trade, there's like a small window, I think they have like a 24- to 48-hour window to negotiate a new, a new deal before they can consummate a trade. So there's that. That could be the opportunity there. But I do think they need to find somebody as a, an offensive guard. They have to, to keep Carr upright. If they, if they can get Collins and – and put him in at left guard, or, or and then when Incognito comes back, he's our right guard. And then you got Jackson that you don't have to rush back. That puts you in a great position going forward. 
Right, exactly. It gives you a lot of flexibility. It gives you a lot of depth as well. Like, what are you going to do? You don't have to rush them back like you mentioned. And then you can shuffle and move some guys around. Like I said, uh, they're all versatile. You know, Gabe has played the left guard and the right guard position. Uh, Collins has played the, the right guard position and the right tackle position. I mean, he, there's a lot of different things that you could do, a lot of interchangeable parts. So that's why I would be all for that. that that's why I mentioned that. But, but you're right. You don't give up a first-round draft pick. If that's what they want, you don't give them that. Remember, that's what they gave you for Coop. You don't just return the favor. You, you, you met a fact you say no 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 we learned from y'all mistake we're not going to do that so that, that's what i would do that's true and speaking of the right tackle position williams looks damn good in, in in training camp he is manhandling people i'm i've been impressed with him trent brown brown god dog it yes trent williams i don't know, I don't know why i williams because <laughs> i'm thinking he, of trent williams yeah because he's the guy that's on the trading block yeah like, well, he can't play guard right so trent brown yeah yes i yep. think brown looks um, he looks really good at right tackle for the raiders so far in training camp no he does he's a, he's a grown man out there making grown man moves and, and putting people on their backside and that's exactly what the raiders need because that right tackle spot has been a turnstile for years so it's really really good to see him dominating like he is so far and a name that you have not heard out of our mouths, which is a good thing, is Colton Miller. The less you hear about your offensive linemen, the better. You don't want their names or numbers being called. No. He must be having a good camp, too. If they're not, we're not talking about him, he has to be having a pretty decent camp. Yeah, he's doing he's doing all right. He's getting better. You can see that he's uh, stronger than he was in in 2018, and he, he looks like he's healthy, so that's always positive. He's had a couple moments here and there, but for the most part, I think he's improved. I will say that Part of my dislike for Colton Miller is because he went to UCLA. And I'll let you folks in Raider Nation know, for me to say something nice about UCLA, Notre Dame, Urban Meyer, or anywhere Urban Meyer coached, uh, good luck. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of Urban Meyer and what he does, but I will say this about Colton Miller. When he was healthy early in the year, he looked really, really good. When he got hurt, that's when his season went to hell. So that's being positive. If we're going to be positive about him, that's the positive side of things. So let's hope he stays healthy because when he was healthy, he looked good last year. I don't think he had a lot of sacks. He wasn't the turnstile that he became as the year went on. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree 100%. He just needs to, again, stay healthy and Hopefully, once uh, hopefully he lasts through week one and two, and then once Richie Incognito comes back in week three, uh, he can help him out on that position, kind of beef up that nastiness over there. They hopefully Richie Incognito, like you mentioned earlier, is kind of in a good place, and he's he's not nasty off the field, but we definitely as fans need to see Richie Incognito be nasty on the field. Okay, so against the Cardinals and the Raiders' second preseason game, what are you looking for? It's real simple. I want to see how the defense defends this kind of offense because it's going to be different. It's not something that they're going to see every week, and so it's not like it's going to really, really matter. But you'll know if this defense is a lot faster if they're able to get after these guys because this is going to be one of these offenses that goes at a at a hell, uh, hell-bent pace. They're going to go flying around. Uh, Kyler Murray is going to be a, a different kind of dude. He's a different kind of quarterback. How do you defend these guys? If they can keep up with them and, and be running around and flying around with them, then you really feel encouraged with, one, the speed of the, the, the defense and the understanding of Paul Gunther's uh, scheme that he's running. So that's really where my concentration level is at. What does the defense look like in week two? For me, I want to see the, what young guys are going to take that next step. I want to see the execution I want to see the execution get better. I want to see less turnovers, and I want to see more points on the board, and I want to see less points given up. I know they gave up three to the Rams, but I agree. This is a different type of offense. It's going to be dynamic with Murray playing at least for a series or a quarter or whatever, wherever Kingsbury plays him, however long he decides to play him. I also want to see, I want to see Jacobs on the field, and I want to see Jacobs run. I want I just just to get the taste of it. Uh, I think running backs got to get a, at least a couple carries. I know like LT didn't get it a lot when he was with, with the Chargers or whatnot, but I want to see him get a, 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 a few carries, especially in this type of game, and then sit his ass down the rest of the preseason. Don't let him get on the field anymore. Uh, but yeah, I definitely want to see the execution get better, uh, less turnovers. And I, again, I'll agree with you. I want to see the defense 
fly around a little bit. And then again, the most important thing, no injuries. Right. No right. injuries to anybody because that is the worst thing that could happen to these guys in preseason. That's why I'm a big advocate of shortening the preseason to two games, leaving it at 16, maybe 17 games during the regular season. Compromise there and and not add that 18th game and keep four preseason games. I think that's asinine. Yeah, I mean, that those injuries in preseason, man, those are game changers. Those are big-time game changers. Every team usually – or not every team, but there's usually one team that suffers a really, really major one, and it sucks, man. It sucks for whatever team it is. It just – it's not – you almost feel like it's not fair. So, hopefully, you're right. None of that happens. One other thing that I don't want to see on uh, on Thursday's game against the Cardinals, I don't want to see 12 penalties for 150 yards or 130 yards. That is ridiculous. Yeah. I'm sorry, but in 2019, I don't care if that's the old-school Raider mentality. Just go ahead and do what you want to do and have a bunch of penalties. You're still going to find ways to win. You cannot have 100-plus yards worth of penalties in a game. You just can't. You're going to lose those games more times than you're going to win them just because that's giving up a whole – that's a t- touchdown you're giving up a whole field of touch uh, of, of uh, penalty yards you cannot do that and that's what they did in game one had like 12 t- uh, 12 penalties and i think it was 137 or 127 yards of uh, penalties as well it's just ridiculous you cannot do that that's got to be eliminated yeah that's that, that not, not only does that make that a long game it, it, it just kills it kills you it, it, long term and you can't you can't go through that's so more discipline. Yep. I would agree with that. Well, Q, that's it for the show today. Raider Nation, we are back. Q&A with your boy Q and myself, Joe Arrigo. is back on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast and we're powered by SB Nation. Next week, we're going to recap game two. We're going to talk about the third installment of Hard Knocks and give you the latest Raider news, comings and goings, and uh, whatever else we decide to talk about. There's just two homies talking Raiders football for Raider Nation on SB Nation. You appreciate your time, brother. I look forward to talking to you next week, bro. Yes, sir. Absolutely. You too. Glad to be back on the grind again. And Raider Nation, don't worry. We will be here each and every week. So uh, pretty pumped up, pretty fired up. And uh, this is a fun show. So let's keep this thing rolling. Absolutely. For your boy Q, I'm Joe Arrigo. This is Q&A on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.